welcome back to Master of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, and I'm on my own today. This is a, a lonesome episode. I'm all alone, but uh, all of our different viewership has been asking for a long time for us to do some more deck tech based focuses. So this is going to be six deck techs. I'm going to look at six different deck lists that I have here, all modern focus. Uh, all of these have been posted on the internet and I've thought they were interesting. So I've been saving them and I just kind of have pocketed a few deck lists. And I, so I wanted to talk about them and I figured now's a perfect opportunity to do so. A lot of them are in, using newer cards from Dominaria United, but some of them are just doing new stuff in the modern metagame. Um, and uh, I think it's, I think it's time to talk about it. now. I do have uh, some <laughs> things that we need to talk to everyone about first. First off is uh, we have launched the backer kit for drop.d20 dice. Uh, that is the Kickstarter we did last month. There was a big announcement there that I uh, I haven't confirmed yet as of the time of recording, so I can't promise what's going on, um, but uh, we're trying to get more colors unlocked. So make sure to check that out uh, at, on the Kickstarter, kickstarter.com uh, for Dropped Up T20s. I'll also be posting on Twitter, uh, Twitter at Kess Wiley, because um, I think people really like the colors, and I think our factories are able to figure it out. So we're negotiating it, and hopefully that's true. Um, beyond that... Uh, thank you to our sponsors, uh, TCG player. Uh, if you use our affiliate link below, uh, before you buy anything, it does help the podcast out. We're also on channelfireball.com and tcgplayer.com. Uh, they're combining, so we're figuring out exactly how that works, but it's really exciting. Uh, and then also uh, at the end of this month, we're going to magic 30 and magic summit, uh, magic 30. I'll be there. That's sold out. So hopefully I'll see people there for magic summit. Uh, if you use the code cast K E S S, uh, when you were to check out, if you are thinking you're going on the edge, we will be there. We'll be doing a bunch of awesome stuff. Uh, ben will be there as well. Uh, and it's going to be hyped. It's they're both, they're both going to be really cool. We're pretty excited in general. Uh, so with that being said, let's jump into the episode. And today we're talking deck lists. Um, so as I said earlier, we're looking at different deck lists that we're talking about. One thing that has been interesting as a conversation before we get into these is, bannings um so right now the format has become really five color focused I, I i tweeted the other day how if you were to look at like the classic old school magic the gathering mechanics that are beloved flashback domain kicker cycling uh threshold etc a lot of them i love uh you know flashback and 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 um madness being i think two of my favorite including actually uh i'm also a big fan of morph and Icons and Instrad are two of my favorite sets of all time. Um, but uh, I think my least favorite's Domain, and I think it's because Magic is worse the more colors. Like anything, four and five color Magic is just a worse experience than when the game is focusing on one, two, and three colors. And in Modern recently, it's just became become too easy to play five color. And I think there's a few features to that. One of them, I think, is that uh, Renin Six is just like able to mitigate mana flood too easily by being able to rebuy lands you're able to just get more lands you need that in concurrence with triumphs allows you to hit the mana you need i think on top of that just yorion decks in general have kind of encouraged this like five color style play style and so i do think that we're getting to a point where it'd be really interesting to me for us to start uh attacking that if we're looking at banless conversations, I know people talk about Ragavan always, but I honestly don't think those cards bother me as much as just how five color the format has become. So that's definitely one of the things I would love to talk uh, towards kind of mitigating. Yeah, I just, you know, I think I think the fact that this format has moved to five colors so easily uh, is is something that would be interesting to deal with. And banning Yorion or Ren and Six, I think, help Yorion allowing you to have these decks that are 
Um, a, it adds like about, I think we did the math. I think your index add a total of like $200 on average to the format alone. Like they're just, there's so many of them. They're such a large part of the format. They're way more expensive, right? Like a, a Yorion deck is about a thousand dollars more than a regular 75, uh, with sideboard card deck. Uh, but because there's so many of them and that amount of difference, just every other deck that does well in the format might as well cost $200 more because of that uplifting. Like the average price is so weighted towards your index that it's hurting the format, I think. And then beyond that, just they encourage you to play with a bunch of good stuff, big piles, which then like allows you to play with more loose mana or, or more five color mana bases that added to the new, um, there's the new white domain removal spell um, that I think is also like leaning things in different directions that I don't love. Uh, yeah, I think I think the other way to fix it is to add stuff like Price of Progress or uh, Wasteland to Modern. And, and I think Wasteland's a really interesting one. I think I asked the internet earlier, like, why is Legacy not dominated by these five color decks when Modern is so much? And part of it, I think, is the fact that there are more decks that punish you for being those clunkier mana bases in Modern the combo kill potential is lower, but there could be the potential to add something like Wasteland to the format. Renin 6 would have to be banned. I don't think Renin 6 being in the format uh, honestly will survive very long. <laughs> I think like in both versions of this conversation, it was being looked at as like a real issue. And I don't think anyone's like looking for Renin 6 to be a healthy part of the format. Even as a Jun player myself who loves like and has a playset of Renin 6 is like this will hurt me directly uh, financially. I think Ryan six is maybe too, too powerful. I think it hits, it misses the mark just a little bit. Uh, and, and finding ways to, to mitigate that are probably better for the format than keeping it around. Um, the other one that's a little weird is I do think that just like the cascade decks have escalated to an extent that I don't know if is it's healthy for the format. The fact that, you know, you're, there's like four different decks that'll have basically the same play pattern of here's all these really good, adventure cards or whatever cards or fire and ice that work and then cascade can work one one thing someone pointed out is that double face card should go back uh should have another re rules rework and this would like you know mitigate fire and ice from functioning the way it does um which which is like a little bit of a nerf but basically that when they cascade they can cascade into spells but they can only cast this parts of the spell that cost less than the uh cascade spell so if you cascade into fire ice you have to choose fire and or ice but you do hit fire and ice and or if you were to cascade into boom bust, you now do hit it. But you have to cast boom. You don't have the option of audibling into bust. Um, I think that's a really interesting way to heart those decks. Uh, but I don't know. I think uh, I'm, I think I don't think those are the focus right now, though. I think in the long run, the play pattern is pretty unhealthy. Um, so, yeah, but we're going to let's talk. Let's talk some deck lists. So the first deck list we're going to be talking today is micro uh, spell seeker. This was a list that was tweeted by uh, Zeno, uh, Zenoan. Uh, he he, he uh, had some pretty sick uh, tech here. And basically, it's a list based on Micromancer. Micromancer is a three and a blue uh, creature that lets you find a instant or sorcery that costs one or less. And so it's using that alongside ephemerate to find ephemerate once you cast it then once you cast it you can cast ephemerate to blink micromancer the first time it enters play you can use it to find uh suppose the vault and the second time it hits play you can find angel's grace and it does uses that with the card step through so step through is a sorcery three blue blue 
um, that allows you to return target creature to their owner's hand, uh, return two target creatures to their owner's hand, but it also has wizard cycling. So for two mana and instant speed, you can discard it to search for any wizard. You use that most of the time to find Micromancer, though it also has stuff like Urtai as a removal or, you know, counter spell or bounce spell and meddling mage to protect your combo. Um, and then it uses that to just do fun stuff with Microm- uh, Micromancer. It uses Teferi and Solitude and a bunch of really good white cards <laughs> to be able to play just a general um, control deck strategy at instant speed. And then once you get Micromancer into play, as soon as you can cast it, preferably at instant speed with time, uh, Teferi Time Raveler, you're able to kind of combo off and do the win. Um, it uses Thassa's Oracle as the other piece to be able to, that's how it wins when, you know, your deck is empty. Um, uh, for those who don't know, Spoils of the Vault, I'll pull that up over here. Spoils of the Vault is black instant name a card, reveal cards from the top of your deck until you reveal the named card, then put that card in your hand, remove all other cards revealed this way from the game and you lose one life for each card removed. So this works with Angel's Grace to do the, the tainted pact combo, uh, environment and, um, you need to find Thassa's Oracle somehow to be able to pull this off. You have stepped through the do so. Um, and, um, that's the way you win the game, uh, is, is basically the gist of it. Uh, this list is so sick. Like I, I love like, Hey, it's playing the, you know, you have silence, you have, uh, you know, different removal spells as like a control thing. You have stuff like cling to dust to be able to protect yourself. You have so many different cool little targets you could find with micromancer as a toolbox package. Um, there's the combo, you know, Teferi Time Raveler being able to let you do the Micromancer thing. Instant Speed does have vibes of Splinter Twin where you cast your three mana spell and then you untap. Uh, and then on your opponent's turn, you're able to interact with Micromancer. Micromancer also being able to cast that with Flash lets you play so funnily with all of the one drop spells you're able to find. Being able to go find the specific removal spell you need to be able to interact. Um and just gives you really, really cool combo finish wins. Um, some other cool things that it's doing is it's taking advantage of the uh, clone creature rare land from Zendikar that is a land on the backside that can also copy Micromancer. It has Riptide Laboratory, so you can keep rebuying your Micromancer. Uh, and it's playing stuff like Snapcaster Mage to let you like rebuy the the spoils of the vault if you needed to use it to go get um, Thassa's Oracle instead or, or find the specific tutor piece you need to win the game. Um, and really, but it's the combo of Spoils of the Vault and Angel's Grace and being able to guaranteed find those with a Micromancer and Ephemerate that that makes this deck so powerful. Um, I think uh, from the sideboard, you have a bunch of different just like generically good stuff that that helps stuff like Teferi Mage, the original Teferi, which also lets you do cool things with the Micromancers. So uh, the deck designer, Zeno, uh, Zeno Wan at X-E-N-O-W-A-N kind of walks it through as well, which bas- basically... The deck's real game plan, once you get Micromancer into play, you can get Ephemerate. And from that point on, you can use Ephemerate alongside Micromancer to just value out your opponent until you're able to draw a step through. And once you have step through with Micromancer and in Ephemerate, you can use it to search for Thassa's Oracle and then uh, you do the combo. Right. So so that's that's really the like the two pieces you need together. Um, but it, it's such a great value engine that you're able to grind your opponents out uh so this deck is really cool i definitely like think it's like worth trying out i also think it's relatively other than the four time solitudes which i think are also probably replaceable it's a pretty inexpensive list almost all these cards uh are not that hard to get your hands on so i think like the the mana base is currently like 
just damn a bunch of fetch lands with like the one thing that is expensive is there are two cavernous souls because it is a wizard tribal deck in some ways but i think there's probably cool ways to play around with this deck to even lean more into the micromancer control strategy add some counter magic that one mana or or do some other fun things definitely would try this out and make sure to tweet at uh, Zeno on if uh, you want any questions specifically of how he's doing or any changes he's made to the deck since then um because it is really fire all right next list so it ends up that a uh, player was able to hit second place in a modern challenge with Merfolk. And actually, one of the surprising things uh, going through the most recent uh, tournaments over the last week was how often we found Merfolk decks just top top eighting or even top twoing. Like, I think this deck really does have legs and is the one that of the decks I'm going over has the widest uh, chance of just being a success story. Obviously, the addition to the deck is Vidal and Hexcatcher. This is a Merfolk Wizards 1 blue 1-1 one, one from Dominaria. It has Flash. Other Merfolk you control get plus 1, plus 1. And then you can sacrifice any Merfolk to counter-target non-creature spell unless this controller has one. It just does so many things all in one card that it's almost not surprising that it's been able to do uh, this much in the deck. And basically, for those who don't know, uh, Merfolk decks are, are a style of deck based on the main or arguably main creature type uh, for that represents blue in Magic the Gathering. And so that's Merfolk, uh, you know, merman, mermaid-esque characters. Um, the way the deck functions normally is almost as a tempo-style beatdown deck. So there's just a uh, large list of two-mana Merfolk Lords. So uh, basically two-mana creatures, Merfolk, that give all of the Merfolk plus one, plus one. Uh, and they have different adjacent abilities. A lot of them give island walk, so it allows your opponent's lands of their islands to be able to, to be attacked uh, while not being blocked. Uh, and then it also, uh, a lot of them just, you know, have other abilities like this one. There's one that untaps every time you play a card. So, uh, and then just you're playing really efficient beaters and you're able to punish people playing blue mana, which we mentioned before this podcast. Right now, the mana bases in modern are becoming so five color that almost guaranteed to play against the blue opponent in most rounds you're playing. Um, and you get to take advantage of some other cool spells. Another thing is it's playing four civilian of the sea sky. That's the, uh, God, the merfolk God creature, um, from, uh, modern horizons Two. this one is, uh, one blue, blue legendary creature, merfolk God three, four. So three, four for three. Uh, it has indestructible as long as you control at least two other merfolk. And when it attacks, you draw a card and then, uh, other merfolk you control have ward one, making it that you have to pay one to be able to target them. So this is an additional layer of protection to all your merfolk while being a really efficient beater that also adds, you know, a card draw engine. <laughs> They're indestructible. They kind of does so much. Um, and then beyond that, it plays three subtlety, but otherwise it's basically the classic package. You have four Lord of the Lannis, four Merce of the Pearl Trident. Those are the other plus one, plus one lords that give Island Walk. Uh, you have a Merfolk Trickster, which lets you do some amount of removal interaction. Silvergill Adept, which lets you draw cards when you play it. Um, and I think just like a combination of just getting the right pieces from uh, the new, like the new land that lets you do things. But Vodalian Hexcatcher, Savolin, Subtlety has just given this deck enough legs to be pretty viable right now. Uh, and uh, while still being a really good mono blue beatdown deck that's able to just punish people for stumbling. And this could have once again, Merfolk might be at a point where it is again the main aggressive tribal deck in modern now i think goblins could be a combo deck but merfolk also has the benefit that fury doesn't punish it as hard 
for a few reasons. One, it has more ways to interact uh, between subtlety, just wrecking a fury. Uh, you know, we uh, we had uh, Nikachu on talking about Merfolk, actually, and and they brought up that subtlety uh, kind of is the frost titan of the different uh, free elementals, allowing you to, like, return them to their uh, controller's hands. But because they've already had to exile a card from their hand, they are so far, much farther behind than you are um, that it kind of puts them on edge. Uh, so having subtlety in this deck, on top of the fact that Vidal and Hexcatcher and Savola make Fury just like really bad from a mana perspective to be able to really do anything. And all of the Lords also pump your creatures, make you pretty resistant to like one of the main things punishing creature decks right now in the format. And so I think this ends up being a really, so I end up, I think this ends up being just a really powerful strategy in modern right now. And I'm not surprised that it's starting to have legs now that it has an additional piece of really good interaction. Um, but, uh, you know, and then, and definitely recommend there, there are, there are Merfolk experts, experts out there. This list specifically was tweeted by Lord of Atlantis. Um, but then even, I believe, uh, the person who I saw from was Nikachu, uh, retweeting it or quote tweeting it. Yeah. Right there. Um, talking about it getting second place in a Merfolk challenge. And then when you go through MTG goldfish right now, and you look at modern deck lists, which I'm going to just do here really quick, um, pop the decks by metagame and you go to modern. You go down here. You're just going to see infect or a, a Merfolk show up more often than we've had seen for a while. Which of course I'm going through, and not, there's one. Do, 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 do. Two, which by the way, seeing two of them is a, a accomplished for Merfolk. Three, and this one got first place in this event. And similar, this is playing Tide Shaper, which lets you mess with the lands of your. Oh, no, this is the one that uh, has Kicker. Um, and allows you to take advantage of the island walk, but also just playing this like game. And and yeah, one other key piece that often you see play is spreading seas, being able to turn lands off. Um, but yeah, Vidalian Vid Hexcatcher has definitely made a big change into like what Mar Merfolk can do in the format. Uh, next, we're talking about Infect. Infect's back. <laughs> um, so uh, this list uh, recently hit, uh, got through in a modern preliminary. Um, is always important to just notice when Infect is around and doing really cool things. Um, this is now the green-black version with Noble Hierarch allowing you to move out of blue. Uh, just using Plague Singer as fed. There's not a lot of flyers in the format right now that like aren't just going to be a problem for Infect regardless. But also being able to get Phyrexian Crusader right now and being able to not have to be dealt with with red and white removal, which is some of the most popular versions of it in the format, is really helpful. And uh, you just get better interaction, to be honest, with Thoughtseize as well. Like, I think I'm surprised that Thoughtseize and Infect wasn't adopted more thoroughly early on when, you know, the the world when Gitaxian Probe got banned, like... It was very obvious for Grixis Death Shadow decks that like, oh, Thoughtseize is the card we should move into. But for some reason, in fact, and I think part of it is literally just Glistener, uh, just a Noble Hierarch or uh, Noble Hierarch, like Noble Hierarch forced Infect to stay in that blue green world and being black green was so much worse because you didn't have a you didn't have the exalted creature that let you pump your spells available in the deck that moving into black was much harder than it was for Grixis control decks to be able to move into into death shadow decks. And so it's taken a while, but I'm not surprised that an effect deck is 
finally able to start doing things um, with the ignoble higher condition uh, and kind of figuring out what tech it needs. Something like a gem razor, which is really cool as a way to use the mutate effect to both have an enchantment removal, but also make your creatures bigger. Um, and uh, playing with just like other just generically good spells that, that are good. I, I don't think there's a lot that has changed in what's available to the deck to be able to do well right now uh, in the, than what it was doing in the past. Uh, but it has been able to top in. I noticed and I wanted to call out in fact, that's that's the infect section. It's a short one. Next, we're going to be talking about Calibrated Blast. Uh, Calibrated Blast is a two red instant uh, from Modern Horizons 2. Uh, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a non land card. Put the revealed card on the bottom of your library in a random order. When you a, reveal a non land card this way, Calibrated Blast deals damage equal to that card's mana value to any target. Uh, flashback three red red it plays four calibrated blasts and then uh two copies of throws of chaos which is three red sorcery has cascade and then you can discard lands to retrace it and then every other card in the deck <laughs> that's a spell is uh just big mana so you're playing autocron worm which is a 10 11 12 13 a 15 uh, cmc convoke trample 9 14 worm uh you're playing Volcanic Salvo, which is a 10 red red. This spell costs X less, where X is the power of creatures you control uh, to deal six damage to each of the two targets. Just a 12 damage dome to the face. And you have Blink Moth Infusion, which is another 14 damage. Uh, and then beyond that, you have Commit to Memory, which is kind of one of the more secret techs where it's uh, Commit to Memory is Commit, three blue, instant, put target spell or nominal permanent into its owner's library, second from the top. And then Memory is has Aftermath, and uh, you uh, each player shuffles uh, their hand and graveyard into the library and draws seven cards. It's a it time twister from your graveyard flashback, basically. But because it's a split card, its total CMC is 10. And so basically, if you're able to cast Calibrated Blast in this deck and then flash it back, uh, you kill your opponent <laughs> at instant speed uh and then uh all, all you for a lot of this all you actually need is just to be able to do two additional damage if like in the format so often uh you will be you know starting at 15 life and because people will just fetch thought seize you or fetch play cards and so you really only need to cast it once if you hit an autocron worm uh, or if you hit Blink Moth Infusion, and then you play cards like Raminat Ruins, uh, which are the the Raminat Ruins is a land desert. Uh, you may tap it and add to uh, add one colorless mana to your mana pool. You may tap it and pay one life to add one red to your mana pool, and then you play two red red, tap it, sacrifice a desert, including itself, to deal two damage to each opponent. And so uh, this plus Scorched Desert, which uh, lets you do damage and also is sackable for Raminat Ruins, plus um, the mistress factory and uh all allow you to and and the red the red uh land from kamigawa all allow you to get like two damage into play and to kill them using that damage and so you're using your lands to just do hopefully just enough more damage that you need to do to be able to kill them above and beyond whatever you were able to calibrate and blast it to because basically you calibrated blast you you that you hope your opponent fetched shocked uh on turn one and two uh, bringing their health down as close to 15 as possible you calibrated blast like your worst case scenario is you hit throws of chaos 
which still does four damage to them, but then you get to flashback Calibrated Blast in two turns. But every other hit you have in the deck is just a straight-up win condition, and so you you just mulligan until you get Calibrated Blast, and then you win, <laughs> uh, which I love this deck a lot, too. Um, cool. Next list uh, is Grinding Station. Uh, this is by Marine Rush um, and is... You know, it's starting off, it's 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 playing a, a relatively straightforward uh, red-blue uh, beatdown strategy with Ragavan and Ledger Shredder, but then it's playing Emery, Lurker of the Lock, uh, Thassa's Oracle, Tafari Tam Reveler for, you know, you're playing a combo deck, the red-blue stuff that you need to, to get to, but it's playing the Grinding Station, Underworld Breach, Mox, Amber, Mishra's Bobble combo. And so the way it works is... While your opponents are paying attention to being beat down by Ragavan and Ledger Shredder, you're building a combo using Emery and trying to get a grinding station online. And grinding station allows you to sacrifice Mox Amber or Mishra's Bobble uh, to mill yourself three cards. And then if you have Underbreach in play, you can then play the zero drop to this basically repeat that process. Uh, and as long as you have a legendary creature and play someone like Ragavan or uh emery in play you can use that mox amber to be eventually generating mana as you go through this process once you generate enough mana to mill your whole deck and then uh cast a thassa's oracle you win the game and you you can cast thassa's oracle from your graveyard using underworld breach so it's like a really cool strategy because you're able to use the ledger shredder shredder and ragavan to keep your opponent on their toes and play the general they have removal spells, they have good control cards, beat down strategy, and then while they're dealing with that, which is a classic Splinter Twin-like strategy, you're getting to play this value-oriented artifact strategy that eventually leads to you winning the game using Grinding Station and Underworld Breach from a separate direction that they weren't expecting. Um, this deck has kind of, and you know, it's an Urza Saga deck, so it's able to kind of piece together what it's doing. This type of deck has always been on the edges and hasn't really quite gotten yet uh, to being one of like the like premier decks of the format, but it's really close to being there. It's always on the edge and literally, especially with us going back to brothers war and like the chances that there's like a zero, like uh, uh, I think the joke going around is that there's been black Lotus and there's Lotus petal and we want a Lotus stem, which is a zero mana sacred to make two mana, which we don't think will ever be added to modern, but uh, just like the right card being added to this could be really interesting. And going into the older set right now, seems like an, opportune moment to see something like that so those were those were four modern decks i realized that the deck i pulled was pioneer and we have actually quite a bit of time so i'm gonna move us to doing uh two pioneer decks next i got you i stole you all are surprised i also think there's a conversation that some of these decks especially this next one would be really interesting to port into modern uh as uh it's based on new card shield of the apocalypse which has a lot of you know words on it that seem like it could be pretty dope so um that we're going to talk about that next so that that's what uh, that's the next list so it's a, a uh this is a list by um uh dylan cruz uh at dylan underscore mtg and as i said earlier please uh please please um go bother and tell them that the people that i've mentioned their deck list that they're on this episode and uh let them know that they're here uh and tweet at them any questions you might have but this is taking advantage of Shield, Shield of the Apocalypse, which is a two black, black legendary creature for Xen Predator, four, six, death touch whenever you draw a card. Sorry, four, five. Uh, death touch. Whenever you draw a card, you gain two life. Whenever your opponent draws a card, they lose two life. And so it's playing Shieldred and some basic, you know, red, black control elements, fatal push, thought seize. 
but then it's playing uh, a nice uh, wheel package. So it's playing Dark Deal. It's playing Collected Defiance, which a target player discards all cards in their hand, and then they draw that many cards. Uh, but it has uh, uh, the ability to do Escalate. So it has a bunch of different other abilities, including uh, some four damage to target creature. So it's a, a utility spell. Um, it's playing Dark Deal, which is uh, discard your hand and draw that many cards minus one. It's playing Whispering Madness, two blue black sorcery. Each player discards their hand, then draws cards equal to the greatest number of cards a player discarded this way and has Cypher. Uh, so basically it has Windfall and then uh, you can put this on any creature you control. In this situation, it's Shieldred, allowing you to attack with Shieldred uh, and then Windfall every time you do damage. Um, and then it's playing uh, like similar to Shieldred, it's playing Waste Knot. So, so Waste Knot allows you... Whenever an opponent discards a creature card, put a 2-2 zombie creature token into play. Whenever an opponent discards a land card, add two black mana. And whenever an opponent discards a non-creature, non-land card, draw a card. So it's basically taking advantage of um, Dark Deal and Collective Defiance, Whispering Madness to be able to trigger uh, Shieldred or um, Waste Knot in a way that does damage. Well, just playing those spells that are, are classically not terrible. Um, one thing I really also love is that it's playing sign and blood, uh, which in this deck are really interesting because you can either target yourself to lose, uh, you know, to, to net two life draw uh, two cards, but you can also use it to target your opponent and drain them for six, uh, which is kind of an insane play for a useful draw spell that you get to use for most of the time. So something that's really interesting about this list is literally looking it up, like the amount of decks that are playing Waste Knot kind of doesn't isn't out there. Like there's no modern list on all of MTG Goldfish that are playing it. Uh, some other spicy things, it has target player draws cards equal to half the number of cards in their library and lose them uh, half their life, rounded up. So it has Peer into the Abyss, four black, black, black. If you're able to cast that spell, which I think is maybe a little bit of a stretch for modern, you're able to trigger Shieldred to gain probably significantly more life than you're losing uh, or target your opponent and just straight up kill them. It's one of the reasons I think it might still be viable in modern is being able to use that to kill your opponent straight up is really good. You have a much better removal suite in modern as well. You could also just because so many of the spells you're playing are spells play something like a young pyromancer shell make this more of a modern pyromancer shielded list. But shielded does offer for the first time in modern even a, a, a redundancy to the incentives created by waste not previously waste not hasn't had too much incentives one thing that this deck also isn't playing is liliana now part of the reason for that is it doesn't really work with shieldred though i think there's an argument that just like thoughtsies into dark confidant into liliana into shieldred the apocalypse even in modern being as uh powerful as it is is still really hard for decks to beat um and so i would even maybe think about looking into playing that but with whispering madness dark deal collective defiance uh, and Shieldred and Waste Knot, you have a shell here that's really interesting, and I love getting to take advantage of stuff like Sign and Blood. I realized I didn't read all of the abilities on Collective Defiance, so Collective Defiance is one red red sorcery, escalate one, choose one or more, target player discards all cards in her hand, then draws that many cards. If your opponent has, say, seven cards in hand, and you cast this, and you have Shieldred in play, you, uh, and just for three, you deal, um, you know, and say they have a full hand, say they have don't have the full hand, say they have five cards in hand, you will kill, deal 10 damage to them <laughs> on turn five. Um, if they if you spend one more mana, you'll deal 13 damage because you can collective 
Defiant deals three damage to target opponent. Um, and then uh, you got, it has the removal spell of collective Defiant deals four damage to target creature. So it has a versatility there, which I think is interesting. Um, the card I was thinking of also playing is Reforge the Soul. Uh, Reforge the Soul is three red red. Each player discards his or her hand, then draws seven cards, uh, but it has Miracle one red. So I think there's a version of this list. I almost want to say there's like a cool red, black, blue Miracles version of this list that you're playing Reforge the Soul and Jace uh, the Mind Sculptor as as a, a, a an additional option to be able to get into stuff. And obviously Jace works really well with Shieldred because you're able to trigger those draw card effects. Um, so I think that's a different beneficial way to kind of play around in this space. Um, yeah. All right. The last deck we're going to talk about is a blue black uh, control list for pioneer. It, it's uh, based on, it has, it's playing one Tassiger, but it's really based on just, uh, just, there's a lot of really good s- spells in pioneer. that let you do control lists. They want to talk about it. It's playing Urtai. It's playing um, torrential gear Hulk. It's playing dig through time. Uh, it's playing a bunch of different counter spells. It's playing search for his Kanta. It's like one of the most Andrew Brown control decks I've ever seen. It's playing shark typhoon. Um, and it's, it's your standard control deck. It's not doing anything specifically spicy. I just saw that this was a viable archetype in pioneer and am just like really hyped about that. And this is probably my second deck. I'm thinking of building in the format just because I have a lot of these cards. I'm just not using them. Um, Urtai is one card. I do think that has been a really interesting addition to the format. It's seeing more play, I think, than people were giving it original credit, or at least I guess the main response I saw to Urtai is that it's overrated, but uh, Urtai is the new card from Dominaria United, two blue, black, legendary creature, Phyrexian, human wizard. Uh, Flash when enters the battlefield, choose up to one. Uh, it's a three, two counter target spell, activated ability or triggered ability. It's controller draws a card, destroy another target creature or planeswalker. It's controller does a card. It just does a lot and you know in uh, the fashion of vendillion click letting your opponent draw a card ends up not being that powerful especially when you're stopping something that you are much more worried about and the fact that it can hit activated abilities or triggered abilities also means that you're able to like hit a thassa's oracle trigger or stop a fetch land or stop something that they maybe like a planeswalker ultimate something that was a lot harder for them to earn to get to uh so it, it when there's that build up with one of those and being able to benefit off of it worst case scenario killing something it's really beneficial um beyond that just like being able to play this type of control deck i think like a blue black classic andrew brown winning uh style control deck hasn't really been viable in modern i don't think ever it's one of the strategies that i you'd think would have a higher chance now part of that is that it's so easy to splash colors that you're just going to end up in esper or Grixis and Grixis control decks have been super viable. And I think that's where you'll end up being uh, giving the ability to loop stuff. But I would be interested to see if there could ever be incentives to play less colors in the format, which brings us kind of back to the original point, which is what does modern look like with Wasteland Unbanned? Right now, modern is a format where mana bases can be really greedy and uh, the format is starting to become so widespread in which colors are played. Does Wasteland offer anything? And that's that's the big question, because I'm, I'm going to end on here. What do you think uh, the format looks like with Wasteland um, uh, added to modern, not unbanned, just printed into modern? Does the format get worse? Uh, does decks like Delver and Ragavan become too powerful, uh, which I do think is is the is the negative? Or does the format become a little bit healthier because these five color decks aren't as easy to splash? Beyond that, once again, thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to uh, our, our, our producers for editing this podcast and dealing with me being by myself. 
Uh, make sure that like and subscribe button and make sure comment below if you think Wasteland should be unbanned and modern. Uh, if you're not following me, make sure to follow me on TikTok. I do a bunch of magic content there. I'm also doing a bunch of One Piece content there. Uh, I'm getting really hyped for all the new anime that's coming out this this uh, October. I'll be talking about that a lot. Uh, also, if you are not a part of our Discord, we have a bunch of cool micro format stuff. We're also going to start doing more Pioneer content. So let us know which deck list you want us to review there or any creators you'd like to see guests on the podcast. Uh, I'm Alex Kessler, your host, and we have co-hosts like Ben Bateman and Michael Grothy. Uh, and Marshall James uh, and uh, and thank you uh, to our editors as well Rick uh, Sharnhorst and we will talk to all of you next week uh, when we have the full crew back this has been a production of Time Traveler Media sending podcasts into the future